you're not a special guest anymore. You're like in it for the long run. <laughs> and you know, long term special guest. In the um, <laughs> in the, in the description of the the podcast, I think it still has Azura's guest. Yeah. You could do that. You what? Can, I don't think I can. Probably you can. You have the same login information I do. I don't have the technology for that. <laughs> he says with a computer in his hand. <laughs> I mean, if I could, if I could do it, I would totes my goats. I think by saying totes my goats, you've proven that you can't do it because <laughs> you're 400 years old. Yeah. Join us each episode as Caleb Sasha and special guest Christian plays your one of the many games. <laughs> Uh, welcome back, special guest. <laughs> um, I think you're going for the record of guest appearances. No one tell her that she's got the record, please. You've done it. It'll go to your head. <laughs> Shall we start? Welcome to the backlog, the show where we make good on Steam sale promises. I'm Calix. I'm Sasha. And I'm Christian. And this week's game is The Oil Blue. Please note that we will be getting into spoilers in our deep dive, uh, such as that is a possibility. And if that's a thing you're concerned about, maybe play the game first and come back to us. But if you're finished the game already, you don't mind spoilers, or you acknowledge that this game has basically no capacity for spoilers, then settle on in, and we'll get started with our Oil Blue deep dive. So, the Oil Blue, uh, this was your game suggestion, Sasha, so I'm going to open the field for you to do the description of what it is that we've been playing. Sure. So, uh, The Oil Blue is a clicker game. You are running these four to six oil rigs. You have these periods of, like, you have days which are about, like, ten minutes long, I feel like. Five or ten minutes long. I think they're five minutes long. And you're basically trying to pull as much oil from the ocean as you can. All these uh, rigs are on these abandoned islands, and it seems like there's this world is just nothing but ocean. And you're working for this oil company specifically. You start from Worthless Peon at like <laughs> level 56 all the way up to number one CEO. But you, you basically max out on everything by level two or three or something. It goes backwards from 50 to number one. Yeah. Uh, how far did we all make it? I played today for a few hours, but I got to 36. Nice. So that is something. I'm, I wasn't worthless anymore. Yay! Yeah! <laughs> uh, I was useful. I made it to level two. At uh, which point a um, little pop-up message comes up and says, Hey, you've beat the game, just so you know. Uh, the only things past this point are that number will go up again. Uh, <laughs> just the ones. <laughs> just the ones. <laughs> this is like an interesting spot to, to call it. Yeah. But And I believe you finished this game a hundred times? I don't know how I managed to have this many hours, but I, last time I checked I had like 76 hours logged into this game. It's good. I like it a lot. Wow. <laughs> I don't, like, half of that must have been fugue stakes. I don't even know how you can spend that much time with this game. It's at most, what, like 10 hours? Yeah. I guess let's try the second version of that question, which is, like, what level do you think uh, you would normally have maxed out at? Like, would you have made it to 37? Do you intend to be going further and seeing how far you can get, or was your uh, your experience basically topped out at a earlier level? What are you asking? I'm asking. <laughs> are you uh, asking if, if, if she wasn't beholden to the backlog when she played this? No, well, sort of. More like, how far did you get when you felt satisfied by the experience? You felt like this was the game that you wanted to play, and you you had done it. 
Oh, I didn't feel that way. I still wanted to keep going because I was still getting the hang of it and I was getting really excited. Like just the the different titles they have for the ranks. I was like, <laughs> I just want to get to a title <laughs> where they appreciate me. <laughs> uh, but also because I wasn't, I wasn't really producing that much. So I was like, I can't stop until I like get better because I was only producing like half the amount I was supposed to. So I was like, I'm going to learn this. Yeah. Did you, did you succeed on your islands? No. <laughs> I mean, I made it to, like, three islands, but I failed each one, but mm. they still move you to the next one. Yeah. I was like, okay. So, obviously, Sasha's answer is somewhere around, like, negative 150, <laughs> as far as levels go. Uh, okay, well, so the point at which I felt like I really understood the game, right? Like, I'm good at this game. Yeah. I feel good at this game. I got through it a lot faster this round than I expected to. Like, I was climbing the corporate ladder, as it were, much much more quickly than I did before. That's just familiarity with the machines and, like, with the repair mechanic and just the way that it works. You're just too good at the game now. I'm too good. <laughs> I'm too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> your, your might has overtaken you. <laughs> but I think probably five islands... Five successful islands is when I was like, okay, I understand what this game is. Like, I could put this down if I wanted to, but I'm enjoying myself. So, mm-hmm. it's it's a really good game for making numbers go up. It's very powerful in that respect. I think for me, it capped out at around level fourteen, mm-hmm. which is a very significant amount of time. And I think that was sometime around I had done maybe four islands. And at that point, I had failed one of them, but I'd, I'd gotten to the point where I could understand what was needed. What was being asked of me in order to, to get through the game. And you get into kind of this rhythm where the game basically tasks you with switching back and forth between screens in order to optimize against downtime and damage. Mm-hmm. So if you have your six machines running, each machine is of one of four types and those types all have different things that you need to be paying attention for in terms of, of timing, in terms of when your moment of opportunity is. Some of them work perfectly well, completely unmanaged, like the uh, the battery-driven one. I forget which was that's called. Um, yeah, that one just needs to be on. Yeah. So to make sure that the batteries are at least charged. Yeah. Whereas other ones, like the pump jack... The third one that you get that's... That, oh, the drop one? Yeah, the drop. will never achieve anything unless you're micromanaging it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while well, the oil derrick and the sink well or whatever it is both feel a little bit like I spend more time keeping them from breaking than I do making them actually function. Like the one where you have to move the drill into place mm-hmm. and then you have to relieve the pressure. I was like... Ugh! Yeah. <laughs> the thing that is so needy. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean that's the next thing is which machine did you like the best? Both in terms of which one was the most interesting challenge to learn, and once learned, which was the most satisfying to use. I really liked the drop one, which you named earlier. I think we have to <laughs> don't put mark that on me. <laughs> mark the white squares and mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's an accurate representation. <laughs> But I, I liked learning its rhythm, figuring out the timing to go back to it and hit all the buttons in time. Because the drill drops twice, one for one side and one for the other side. There's a gap of time between those two things, and finding the, the sweet spot of switching screens between going in time to hit the pockets of oil that were available on one side, skipping to the other side just in time to grab the rest of them, felt really good. Um, and also it was the... Machine with the least damage, 
Like, the battery one can't get damaged. It'll just turn off. But the drop one sort of aggregates damage over time. But also not really. Oh, yeah, also not really. Because like, the, o- the other two, they build up damage real, real fast. Mm-hmm. I broke those other ones sometimes. Um, I never broke the drop one. And I agree. I found it incredibly satisfying to find that rhythm. I think I enjoyed the learning process of the fourth version, which is the deep drill that has a... The touchscreen one? The touchscreen, yeah. yeah. But the micromanaging that's required for that machine is so fiddly, um, Mm -hmm. especially when you reach level 20. All of your machines have a level, and that alters its behavior slightly, its stats, how much uh, stress it accumulates over time. Then they, they all have different properties that they change. So the, the lore explanation is like you're coming to these abandoned machines and wh- while you're using them, you're upgrading them, you're repairing them, getting them back into like working order. When you leave the island, for better or worse, another group is going to come and use these machines after you. So when you get to them, they're all like level one, right? And as you as you work with them, as you progress through the game, they gain experience and they unlock things. Like, for instance, with the most finicky one, the window that you can actually see the oil coming up gets wider. So you have more time to move the drill in, into position. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And at a, at a certain threshold, I forget when, probably in uh, the 20s or 10s, for, for you as the uh, manager, you can spend money to upgrade those ahead of time so that you just have it maxed out. Like, mm-hmm. I would do that immediately, because those things are such a pain in the ass normally. Mm-hmm. I would just go and do that. And at that point, they only become overstressed if you're really not paying attention to them. And even then, you have, like... Which I was not. A window of time to go and, and fix things. Yeah, I... Like, even now that I, I really feel like I have a good handle on the, on the game, mm-hmm. um, I still have to repair machines a bunch. Yeah. So... When you upgrade them, it makes it easier to actually use all of them at the same time. Because mm-hmm. right now, like, I'm in the beginning stages. There's no way I can, like, use all three of these. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that normal for the beginning? Um, yeah, I, I I do remember being a little bit overwhelmed by them. The nice thing is that you can shut them off manually. Mm-hmm. If, if something is clearly past its, its threshold, it's going to break. If you keep using it, you can shut it off and... But you can't turn it back on. That's true. Right. Not until the next yeah, time. I did have to do that a few times because of the, the stress building up. And I was like, well, guess that's that for today. The only thing that gets saved from that is that you don't get essentially a fine. If you let it break, you have to pay a certain amount in order for it to be repaired, which happens automatically. It just gets yeah. deducted from you. Honestly, I found that to be kind of less of a problem than repairing them by hand. Mm-hmm. Like, that was less of a punishment than repairing them because you would just pay it. At some point, I noticed that there is an ability to just pay to have them repaired. Yeah, sure you don't is. have to do those mini games. I don't really like the mini games because well, they they're okay, but when they get harder, like the one where we have to keep the little pointer in the circle, like mm-hmm. yeah, that was the, hard. That's the the misaligned pin one. Okay, my that's least actually, favorite is the memory game, the interrupted sequence one. Mm-hmm. I will always skip that one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll do the other repairs, but do you want to tell us more about the mini games that you? Uh, well, the one where you have to get the ball like all the way across that one was kind of cool the only one that i really had an issue with was was trying to keep the little red dot in the circle but the other ones were okay but then my question is doesn't repairing them like eat into your time that you have to produce for the day uh you have a zero hour when you start a new day you have a certain amount of time before the day actually starts during that time you can't sell anything you can't mine for anything 
all you can really do is purchase upgrades, check your stats for some reason, and repair things. That's only like 45 seconds. That amount of time increases as you uh, level up. Okay. To a point where it stops being an issue at all. Uh, yeah, because like two minutes, you're like, I really don't need this much time. <laughs> yeah. You can also go into the market and like load up all the things that you're going to sell, but you can't sell them until the market opens, mm. which is when the zero hour ends. So. Yeah. Let's see. What am I going to ask about this? Okay. Let's just go into the art style for a second. Since this is a game that exists almost entirely in menu... Uh, how did you feel about the way it was presented to you? Is there anything about the world or the gameplay that evoked something strong to you through the art? I don't know anything about oil rigging. That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it seemed pretty realistic to me, like the machines and, and everything. I was like, oh, I wonder if they really look like this. So it kind of felt, to me, it felt legit, me yeah. not knowing anything. So it was kind of cool in that aspect. And you feel like you're actually learning something. Yeah, I appreciate the illusion of authenticity. I can certainly believe someone saying that it's nothing at all like this. But I also, <laughs> if someone was like, yeah, it's basically like that, I'd be like, I can see how that would be okay gameplay. I love the tactility of this game so much. The the sound design for all the buttons. And, like, the difference between the touchscreen, the like dull thud of clicking on the touchscreen making choices there is so nice. In comparison to all the, like, really hard, clicky noises of the other buttons, it's good. And the sound of the engines running, mm-hmm. and the klaxon as much as I hate it, because <laughs> it means that things are going wrong. It doesn't even always mean things are going wrong. Yeah, it sometimes. happens just because things are ready sometimes, mm-hmm. which means it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. That, <laughs> that horn happens all the time. Mm-hmm. There's also some stuff in the menu management. So, like, when you click a button, there is about a half second, maybe a quarter of a second, where just nothing happens. You have immediate feedback of your click, Mm -hmm. but the thing that your click triggers won't happen for a very short period of time, during which time you also can't do anything else. Uh, This is most visible in the ground well, which I looked up as the name of the one that has, like, the battery power. So the ground well one, when you change the speed... You click, and then mm. if you if you keep clicking, you'll change the rate at, like, one per half second. It changes rate very slowly, because when you click buttons, there's a delay on things actually happening. Uh, this actually happens on all the other buttons as well. Um, it's just really visible there, because most of the buttons you wouldn't click twice. Mm-hmm. But you can see it in the, the pump jack as well when you turn them on or off. That actually is very helpful in the pump jack, because otherwise it can be very easy to accidentally turn it on and then off again. Mm. Uh, So this helps make it much clearer what you're trying to do. But yeah, that's a lot of crunch to the interaction. Crunch? Well, because things have that period of time, that delay, it almost simulates kind of a momentum that when you push the thing, there's a weight to it moving to do what you ask it to. So even though there's nothing visible to represent that, even though there's no moving portions of the machinery or anything, and it's all just done through sound and the display, you do get kind of this sense of heavy machinery moving because it's not snappy. It's very sluggish Mm -hmm. and almost rusty in its behavior and presentation. Yeah. Sort of a a flaw that simulates reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it gives it some, some extra weight, which is, I think, really key to this game being more than just the menus. Mm. Because it isn't more than just the menus. That's all there is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found a lot of that really kind of frustrating, though. 
Really? Um, especially anything that happens above water. Hmm. Any button you press above water, I hate it. <laughs> really? Like the, you know, that screen where you set how many uh, barrels you're going to sell? Yeah. And meanwhile, you're trying to do this within like the two seconds that you have left before the pump jack needs to get addressed again because you've run out of space for your oil barrels. And if they transfer their oil back up, you'll just lose it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm struggling to hit the buttons quickly enough. You can click and hold that one. And to even reach it. Like switching between all the buttons. Or, oh, I see. Um, like just navigating to the menu. Yeah, uh, whereas, like, so that that's a, a tiny little circle button next to the thing, where it could have been the whole block. There's nothing else interactive in that area. Yeah, it's not like that market art is simulating anything in the same way that the machines are, so. Yeah, so I appreciated that aspect of weight far less, because the thing that it was representing uh, didn't feel like it should have weight. So it just felt clunky instead of crunchy words. <laughs> Remember, crunchy is good. Clunky is bad. Even even clunky can be good, but we're not talking about a game where that would be the case. Like, if, if you were in, like, a rusty old mech and it is a little bit awkward to use, but, like, overpowered or whatever, like, clunky could be a positive descriptor. Mm. There are no mechs in this game. Well... There are only mechs in this game. <laughs> but they stay still. There are gigantic machines that do not walk. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what I look for in my Gundam. <laughs> it sits still. Yes. In the ocean. <laughs> it gets oil. And then you have feelings. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't. Oh. Other, other people have feelings. About oil? I mean, well, okay, so here's a, a thing that I really like about this game is that at certain points in your progression, you'll unlock uh, concept art. Mm-hmm. Which is mostly... A good, including commentary. Including commentary, which is really, really nice. Um, because it explains their reasoning behind the designs they picked and their reasoning behind the parts of the game that they cut entirely. Like, there was a, a worker management aspect of this, which is, you see the vestige of that in the screen that pops up that says, oh, your workers ate well today, or your workers are going to be really tired tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That used to be a whole thing that you had to manage. And they just decided that that wasn't the fun part of this game. The fun part of this game was the machines. Um, I very much agree with that decision. Completely correct, yeah. And also what's really interesting about all that concept art is how much of the world... I mean, okay, I was just joking a minute ago about this game is nothing but menus, um, and it was intended to have a lot more. Mm-hmm. So much of this game has been cut. Mm-hmm. Entire, like, maps and navigation. and mm-hmm. So, Sasha, you've beat the game. Yes. And you've read the concept art. Yes. Tell me about the story of the oil blue. I don't feel as though I have that tight a grip on the lore. Um, there are... I'm shaking my head. Listen, okay, as I adjust my glasses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I, I really like about it is one of the concept things is for a radical eco-group that in the original like document spent a lot of time harassing you and trying to get you to do less of fracking or whatever it is that you're doing here. And the great thing there was that because of raining and scope, that group got smaller and smaller and smaller uh, until it was a sticker on the initial interview screen. There's a little sticker in the corner that, that's like the union sticker that's got like a little leaf on it, mm-hmm. which is just like incredibly sad. All this branding, all this world building reduced to a sticker. Yeah, and also that sort of like hashtag activism being like, I posted a picture, I changed my icon, yeah. I'm done, we're good. The letter that you get when you first get the job, and that's sort of how you're introduced to the thing, you have this wonderful, it looks like an ATM screen, 
um, that you come to to like register for this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of explains to you what the premise of the game is. It, it seems like the world is mostly covered in water at this point, and there are these sporadic islands. And the oil company that you're working for is going around to these abandoned rigs, and the way it's phrased is like, we don't really know why they left these machines. Probably they didn't get the use out of them they should have. So that's why we have you. And the undercurrent is obviously like, hey, this is what destroyed the world. That's why these are uh, abandoned. Oh, so this is like after the world is. This is water world, essentially. That's why I, I love that's... that movie so much. <laughs> it's so like corny in its own way, but I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the vibe I get from it. I like to believe that there are just cars down there and you're siphoning the oil out of their fuel tank. I like that world. Yeah. That's a nice world. It's quaint. And we're, we're just recycling the oil. We we threw all of our cars to the bottom of the ocean. We gave the ocean to our cars. We sacrificed. Is what happened. No, no, no. Because we, we parked we parked our cars outside like we do. And they were like, oh, I'm here. Have an ocean. And then they had it. And they were happy. But then they didn't need the fuel anymore. You know what would be a great gift for all these cars? <laughs> 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 big ol' ocean. Next time you're looking for something to get your car. We're not using these roads or land for anything. You know what we should put here? It's just for the cars. Big ol' ocean. Just to show you care, you know? It's, it's the little things. It's the... Oh, little things like an ocean. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I liked the game. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it exactly because it really gets a lot of mileage out of some very simple interactions and a very simple premise. There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but for the most part, it's about the joy of operating these these machines to efficiency and making a number go up. And if there is, like, a message beyond that, it's in the same way that, like, Hotline Miami has anything to say about violence, which is that violence is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Violence is fun, stories are dumb. Yeah, so... (laughs) There's there's my weird pull for today's backlog episode. Clickers are fun and stories are dumb. That's what the old blue has to say. A thing that I like about it is that as a clicker, you have very limited spans of time in which you're actually engaged with the game, uh, as opposed to like Cookie Clicker or Kittens Game or Universal Paper Clips, Candy Box, stuff like that, mm-hmm. which are like browser games that you just like click and or like Mako Atsume, right? Or Fallout Sh- Shelter is, is like this, right? Like you have timers that you're waiting for throughout the day. And the nice thing about this is that you still do have those timers, but it's within these five-minute sprints, not throughout the entire day. I get the same sort of dopamine hits from playing a clicker game, but I can, like, put it away and think about other stuff. Obviously, I don't because I have 76 hours in this game, but I could (laughs) if I wanted to. Listen. Just don't want to. (laughs) It's not a problem until you choose to put it away. I guess my question is, if any sort of prevailing strategies came up, what felt like it worked for you? Well, I didn't get that far, however... I figured that you would have to... Well, it's time management and it's prioritizing. So for me, like, one of the more complicated ones where you have to move the drill and then relieve the pressure and everything, I was like, there's no way I can be doing this the whole time. (laughs) So I just figured that you have to be smart about which ones you're using and which ones you're giving the most attention to. Like, I didn't break the code or anything, but I just knew that that was going to have to be a thing because I was not meeting the objectives. I was like, there has to be a way because I bet Calix or Sasha would figure out a way to make this work. (laughs) I always feel like I play the games the worst. I'm like, I bet they figured this out. (laughs) My approach was uh, for the ground well to set half of them to be on. Uh, and then when they get about 50 apart from each other, turn them all on mm-hmm. and then wait for them to fail. And then that would make them automatically stop. But the ones that were that still had power would be still going 
the other ones would recharge, and then when they uh, warned me the second time that they were running out of power, uh, then I would go back in and swap it, uh, and I would just rinse and repeat that. Yeah, the ground wall's a workhorse. I feel like most of the baseline, like, all the other stuff is fun when it comes true, because all the other ones, you have to submit the oil, whereas the ground wall just sort of tosses it off that way anyway, without any of your input. And so my, my strategy was, was similar, except that I always had half of them going, and then once that reached zero, I would switch to the other half and just alternate that way. At, at any given point, there was always half of them were always charging, and the other half were always being used. And whenever like the last hour of the day triggered, I would ramp it up all the way to the top, because might as well. Um, I just kept it at 10 nearly all the time. Hmm. 11 if I was feeling, you know, wild. <laughs> <laughs> Getting loosey-goosey up on that oil, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Then for the pump jack, which is the other one that I primarily used, uh, especially when they would have uh, multiple ones, I would uh, start it, and then I would wait until it was down to two seconds, and then start the next one, mm-hmm. wait till it was down to really more like two point. Three, 2.4. <laughs> Moved out of the next one. If you're taking notes. If you're taking notes. Um, and so when I had three, that would that would have me go through all three on the right side, and then the first one was ready on its left side, or opposite. The, all three on the left side, the first one was ready on the right side, and then all three on the left side, or whatever I just said. I don't know. Words, again. Um, they alternated. I spent most of my time on those screens because, A, they produce a lot of oil. Mm-hmm. They don't stop working to transfer oil. Mm-hmm. And they have an indicator on the screen to let you know how much oil you have room for. Uh, I'm not aware of the other ones having that information. The finicky one does. Um, it's got a little bar that goes up, but the um, the touchscreen one does not. That tells you how much oil reserve you have left? As in, like, if you have 55 drums that you can hold at any time to sell at the market. Oh, no. No, that, that just... Pump, the pump jack will tell you that you have eight barrels left oh. in that. It's sideways, and on the <laughs> right side of the screen, but the information's there. Okay. I believe you. Yeah, and then the uh, the driller, which is the, the one that you're talking about where you have to move it left and right, uh, I'm pretty sure that early on, moving it left and right causes stress. Mm-hmm. And then once you've leveled it up past a certain point, you can do that without causing stress. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice when that changed, so I developed the strategy of move it once or twice ever, otherwise let it run until something comes up down that lane. And I never stopped, I never altered that strategy even after I realized that I could move it because by that time I already identified the pump jack as being far more efficient and a lot more fun. And it spent less time yelling at me that it was breaking, <laughs> which is one of the things I like the most about it. <laughs> I like the touchscreen once you get the, the three nodes rather than the two. Then you can just sort of set it on a, on a chart and have it do some exploring. And once it finds something, then it starts to scream a bunch and you have to release stress and stuff. These are your, your four different kinds of children. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ones that need to wander around, ones that scream a bunch, mm-hmm. ones that you have to return to every 10 seconds. But they don't take time to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> the oil derrick, which is this fourth one with the touchscreen, I found it easiest to use when it was at the level that it had three points. Mm-hmm. When it has four points, it is moving too fast to be useful. Mm-hmm. And I end up spending all my time down there just keeping it from running into the stupid wall. Yeah. <laughs> or you have to set the waypoint so far apart that you're basically, you're wasting a lot. And I don't like to waste it, man. I, just, I don't want to waste. I know. It makes me sad. There's, and that's a lot of the emotional driver in this game, I think, is feeling bad about the wasted time. Yeah. 
the anxiety of knowing that you have so, only so many days on this island and you've only made so many dollars today. Yeah. Um, and even later game when I really feel like I know these machines, I would start to make to like, I'm doing really good production. I really like the way difficulty ramps in this game because I'll meet and go over my expectations. The, the, the... You don't need to brag. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next island, they'll be like, oh, okay, so you can make that much money. We'll have you double it. And I'm like, shit, I made this bed for myself by being good at this thing, and now I'm going to die because this is too much. Being so good. I hate being good at, at games. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Such a burden. You poor creature. <laughs> so that actually does bring up another mechanic that they have, which is all successful islands. I don't remember if it applies to non-successful islands, so you want me to question? That was meaner than I wanted it to be. <laughs> Is that when you successfully complete an island, you get an allowance from that point on. Uh, You'll just get paid every day. And as your level goes up, uh, as you rank up towards level one, you get less tax on that. And more multiplier on that. So you just get money. Just pouring it all the time. Money, money, money. Which is more reason to never, ever, ever, ever do any of these minigames. Why would you do this to yourself? It's so easy to make money when you're rich. You have money. So easy to make it. I liked the rotary one. I did. I, I felt like I was really good at that one. The rotary one is good to do. Then the uh, one where you just have to pick the right direction and then switch to the other side and pick the right direction again. Mm-hmm. Make the lines go on. They're okay. They're not as good as the main game, which is fine. But the memory one just drives me absolutely up the wall, and I hate it so much. I wish that it had been able to be folded into the the screens that you were already using. Hmm. Like, if there was some aspect, um, and I, I know that they had a very, very tight budget on this. They had very, they had to scope down a lot already. But if there was some way to present it such that it felt like you had pulled a panel off and you were doing something, or you were, you know, switching to a different screen that runs a little diagnostic and you've got a, a short collection of commands to run to find out what thing you need to do and then do those things. I feel like you could have achieved a similar kind of mini game to repair it in a way that felt as good and junky as the rest of the game. Because mostly the mini games just felt like mini games, and mm-hmm. that's not terrible. Yeah, they weren't super connected to like the personality of each of those machines, which is so core and strong to this game. That would have been nice. Yeah, I would say that that was the thing that drew me most to it. Which I guess is my my next question is, what did you take from this game? And did you first off, did you like it? Yeah. Sorry. Well, we know <laughs> we know you like it. <laughs> I liked it. It was it was pretty cool. I felt like I was being productive. I mean not as productive as I was supposed to be to meet the objectives. However, I was still being objective. I mean, meeting some kind of goal and um learning things. It felt like I was learning a lot. I liked it. I did. I liked it. Like I said, I, I really appreciate the way it evokes this feeling of the machine beyond you. I don't think as successfully evokes the world beyond that machine, mm-hmm. but the machine that is connected to this control panel, otherwise invisible, I think is very well represented, um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? What did you learn? What inspired you about that? What, that core juicy nugget that you want to put on the back of the box? My core nugget? I don't know if it's really juicy, but... 
Strong words. Strong words that you put together. It's, it'll line. I did this to us. I, I accept it. For me, it tell was, us about your potentially juicy nugget. It was more like <laughs> the takeaway was what I need to be better at, which is strategy, and I think time management. I'm alright, but I could definitely get better at strategy because even playing Banner Saga and stuff, and like you guys would just come up with stuff and you'd realize things, and I'm like, oh. I would have never, <laughs> never thought that. So I hope that it was like open up my way of thinking so that I can be like smarter about things and, and stuff like that. What about you, Sasha? I think in, in sort of talking through it here, the thing that uh, makes this distinct and really delightful to me is the fact that these are broken up into these five minute sprints. And you have a set beginning and end to the session um, in which you're going to try to wring everything that you can out of it. And if it sucks, then you'll, you know, put it away or, or try again the next day in the next sprint. And I think that kind of enforced, like, time period, it, it's not as if there's a clock up in the corner of the screen. I Although mean, sometimes there is. Well, there's, there's like, the, the ticker tape at the bottom that tells you uh, what's going on in the marketplace. If you're up above the surface, there actually is a timer. You can see how much time you have left in the day. Yeah, I'd never look at that, though. Oh, I didn't... I was like, how am I supposed to know? I'm a, it's I'm it's, I guess it's not a big, big blaring red thing. It's a, t- it's a tiny little white number that ticks down. Yeah, mm. it's fine. Because it only lets you be aware of that in the last minute or so, in, in the last hour. You can spend the rest of the time not worrying about when the day ends, and then use the last hour as like an opportunity to give it all you got, and either squeeze as much oil out of your last shipment as you can, or start shutting down machines because you're not going to get anything more out of them and putting them in more stress for stuff they're not even going to do is not worth it. Did you feel like you could use market prices to make... No. I never ever sold oil based on what the market was doing. Yeah, same. I feel like there might be space there for that kind of... But it, it, it didn't seem rewarding to keep track of it, especially since the machines were so demanding. Yeah, and moving to the marketplace is so disruptive. Mm-hmm. If there was, say, a sell all oil button right down, right next to that market indicator, uh, I feel like I would have allocated some mental space to keeping track of that. Mm -hmm. But as it is, the only time I ever go to sell my oil is when I'm running out of space. Because otherwise, I'm busy managing my machines, and that's where the fun of the game is. And it feels like that's where the efficiency of the game is. Maybe we're just not at that level where, you know, you can really optimize by sell high like mm-hmm. obviously you can because the, the market runs between a hundred dollars and two hundred dollars per barrel mm-hmm. so you could potentially be making twice as much off the same sale if you pay attention correctly but i never felt like i grasped enough of the systems to be able to just have that bandwidth to pay attention mm-hmm. and then because it takes so much time to get there i just ignored it that's fair other than having the sprint kind of feeling i think the really nice crunch of it, the like tactility of, of pressing all of these buttons and managing this menu, the series of menu screens that are just a joy to interact with, even when they're screaming. Um, oh, did you ever use the? Uh, there's a t- extra tutorial. There are three extra tutorial scenarios. Did anyone play those? Do you mean the challenge ones? I don't know. Right, right, right. Because there are like ways to upgrade your license. Or, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> CJ, it's an audio medium. You can't just make a golden face like that and expect it to be record- recorded to time. Inaudible shrug. God damn it. Okay, so, well, there are a couple of, like, 
challenge modes. There's one that's like you have a minute 30 to make $200 or something from these three frowned wells, right? Mm. You're just pushing these machines as best you can. And I did a couple of them. I stopped because one of them was the finicky one, but not upgraded. So I had to like really pay attention to each of them. And then I'm not good at those really. So I was like, you know what? I don't really like this mode. I'm going to go back to playing the regular mode, which is just the game. I kept meaning to go back and try it. Um, I also didn't really fully understand all of the upgrades that happened. Like the level ups. Mm. Like the oil, oil derrick will tell you that you've increased starting drill depth by 100 feet. What does that mean? Uh, that means that the window of space where you can tell whether an X has oil in it or not ah. has expanded down so that Wait. you have more time to see what you're, what you're doing. No. Wrong one. This is the oil derrick, the touchscreen. Huh. Yeah. Maybe that means more circles? Maybe. If you clear out all your circles, uh, you just have to shut the machine down. Mm. I don't know if you ever did that. I did it once, and I was like, well, not going to try for that again. <laughs> that sure didn't make my life better. That's amazing. Would you make a game like this? Yeah. I would want to make uh, the Fate Machine like this. The Fate Machine being this thing from the Shattered Universe that CJ and I, Calyx and I, whatever your, the fuck your name is, um, are making, where it's like the veil of death has fallen and all the different strata of existence are revealed to each other and sort of blended into each other. I gotta say, I deeply appreciate that you gotta go to the backlog for that, that deep Shattered Universe lore. <laughs> no, no, keep going. <laughs> Listen, we are multimedia. <laughs> um, but the thing that sorted these different strata before, because eventually people pass through the Veil of Death, um, spoilers, the thing that sort of gets them where they need to go is called the Fate Machine. And it spools the thread of their life on basically a floppy disk and sends them on their way. And No one knows what a floppy disk is. It's the save button. <laughs> so it spools them all onto a save button. Correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and once the veil falls, the machine breaks or starts spitting up stuff that doesn't make any sense. So the lessons I would learn from the oil blue, I would apply to making a fate machine that you try to fulfill the arbitrary requests of the machine to get it to work again, to get it to spit out something that made sense. Yeah, I want to have that be Quinn going to work after everything's off making sense mm-hmm. and have that aspect of maybe a meta level of folding in the narrative of... Uh, all the the reasons that it matters that this machine is broken into the ways that it expresses that it's broken and you having to deal with these patterns that don't make sense and yeah i think i think that could be a pretty good fit i honestly am very convinced that the clicker genre is underserved and i think that the oil blue is an excellent example of how it can be better fabricated into or crafted was actually the word i was looking for um, it can be better crafted into a rewarding experience outside of just the natural reactions of watching a number go up. Because honestly, seeing that number grow up, go up, <laughs> seeing that number grow up, <laughs> seeing um, seeing little Timmy no number turn into big big shot was not the part of the game that I found particularly engrossing. Mm. Manipulating the systems. And optimizing the time and actions was really, really engaging. And normally in a clicker game, it's the pure joy of seeing a number go up that really drives it. So uh, I would very much be interested in exploring that premise for making a clicker that feeds into more, feeds into other systems and things spin out of it, maybe narratively, maybe strategically. 
technically. Do we know why watching a number go up feels good? Why is that nice for people? Because it's progress? Like a symbol of ascension? Maybe. Gets you closer to God. <laughs> um. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Pretty definitively, it doesn't. There's whole books about it. Ask Yertle the turtle. Yertle the turtle's close to God? Probably. He's on a bunch of turtles. Keep adding turtles and eventually you'll get tall. That's the clicker game that Dr. Seuss would make. <laughs> Did make. Continues to make. <laughs> it's called the book that he wrote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was a really it was a really novel approach. For the time. Novel. Uh, I... I have a lot of regrets. Uh, hey, Christian, what kind of what what kind of game would you make that would be like this, or what would you take from this game to make it? And how would it involve turtles? <laughs> it doesn't have to involve turtles. But listen to him. Um, I like that you are like an employee, and they like show you how to do your job and stuff. I just don't know what job I would choose. I feel like a hospital would be really interesting, and they have a lot of like um machines and stuff in hospitals, but. I don't know. I that's, have no idea. That's a good point. A kind of a more, I don't know, not gritty, but tactile, I guess, approach to theme hospital. But then if you didn't meet the <laughs> quotas, like, when people die and stuff. Like, you, you, have to, you have to manipulate the head popping machine so you can reinflate God, the head. gross. And then you have to fill their bones with jelly so that they can have skin again. The 90s were wild, dude. Yeah, that game's coming back. Is it really? What's yeah. it called? Two Points Hospital. It's called Theme Hospital. Or the first one was, and I guess the new one is Two Points Hospital. Something like that. I think it's like the send-up of Twin Peaks. Horrifying. I know. That one I think would make a lot more sense in terms of manipulating your workforce. Or at least manipulating the incoming traffic. And try to get things in line so that they all reach the endpoints that they need to. And at the endpoints, you manipulate them directly to operate the machinery and watch a number go up. I mean, a similar one, it has less to do with watching a number go up, but, um, I mean, it kind of does, but not really. Um, it would be Papers, Please. So Papers, Please is a game about being a border guard in a newly opened... Fake Soviet. Yeah, fake Soviet Union. Like, former Soviet Union, I think, country. And it has increasingly severe security protocols that you have to follow to, like, check out people so that they go in. It's a lot darker. And it has much more of a story than the Oil Blue does, but it, it has sort of mechanically, it's the same kind of checking thing. Well, I guess it, it's not, but it feels, it feels tactically, not tactically, but like... Tactily. Tactily, yeah. What um, a dumb word. Yep. So great. <laughs> Tactoil. Mm, That's a Pokemon. It's not. Okay. It could be. Yeah. It is by now. I don't know Pokemon. You could be right. But yeah, just, just manipulating the mundane yeah. feels really potent for creating these interesting experiences, not just for empathy, for just like feeling what that's like, mm-hmm. but also for experiencing like the idea of optimizing that, of trying to improve those conditions, of trying to solve those problems. And it presents, you, you could present the same thing in a different context, and I think that it would feel very different to have the outcome of manipulating these oil derricks mm. be whether or not someone dies. Mm. That's more along the lines of, uh, like, those... Certain simulators that don't coming to my head, but there are, like, on the Wii, there were these emergency hospital games mm-hmm. where you would perform little mini-games to, like, operation-style pull glass out of cuts and then apply antibiotics or whatever to the wound and then suture it up and then give them a lollipop and then... Mm-hmm. Maybe that last one doesn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the context really adds a lot to the experience. 
And I think that what I would want to do is more along the lines of a fabrication kind of thing. Because I, I like that you're producing this oil from your toil. Mm. I promise you I'm not doing this on purpose. <laughs> um, I need to sleep more. <laughs> but I won't. So expect this to get worse. So the, the idea might be the machines that you prioritize or the results that you prioritize, if you're, if you're able to get more than one outcome from a single machine would dictate the product that you create. Like, it, like if you had a toy line company or something like that, and then you spend your time, like, changing... I, I don't know. The, the I feel like I've already fallen apart with my thematic device of toys. Whatever. I think the connective tissue there is having a task that you need to get done that is relatively repetitive. You need to repeat several times within a set amount of time. So for the oil blue, it's operating these machines down to the micro level of like switching the batteries, right? Mm -hmm. Or getting to the um, the jack in time to switch it to the other side. And for, for papers, please, it's looking at the papers that the person gives you and verifying that all of the, the information is correct and doing all the protocols from there as necessary. Doing that as quickly and as correctly as you can, or making conscious decisions one way or the other to do so, because there's a couple of like moral choices that you make there. I feel like those are two of the same sort of time-space groupings. Yeah. For me, the thing that I would want to push towards if we're making a game of this ilk uh, inspired by the oil blue would be to have the final outcome be one of player choice. In the oil blue, in Papers, Please as well, you are given your win condition from the outset. And the path from here to there is fairly simple or fairly straightforward. You do the thing I asked you to do uh, until you've sold the right number of things or you've caught the right number of people or whatever. And I think the primary thing that I would want out of it is to have some overarching layer of strategy or planning where maybe I'm not... Like, if it was the oil blue, because I can't think of a good thematic example yet, instead of selling my oil, maybe I can put it through a refinery process and turn it into plastic, turn it into refined oil or whatever else, and then sell that. The final goal of make X amount of money can remain the same, but my path to getting there would allow me the ability to prioritize these things not purely on what would give me the most barrels at a time, mm -hmm. but which would get me closer to my implicitly derived goal of, I want to make plastics because that's where the market is right now. I want to make crude oil because that's where the market is right now. I want to make refined oil. And so the things that I'm doing might be able to lead me in the same way. Like the gameplay doesn't really change that much, but I feel like I have more authority over it perhaps i don't know maybe i'd want to take that level and maybe exploit that for narrative purpose mm. because that level is a bit squishier where we have the thing where you push buttons and it's very tactile this word i hate this word if you, you push it it's haptic i don't know i'm done i've said <laughs> i've said the thing you've heard it said some words we liked the game if you liked the game and would like to tell us about it, even if you didn't like the game but you have some interesting thoughts about it, and it has to be interesting, it can't be just like, hey, I didn't like this game, because that will just hurt my feelings, and <laughs> I have other things to do with my time. I have other things to be hurt by. Uh, that's not just you being petty. But 
If you have cool things that you want to email to us, I'll stop threatening you. Send it to uh, <laughs> backlog at teacabbage.com. Going a weird direction there, Sasha. <laughs> Listen, I am a little bit loopy. It's fine. Email us at the... At, yeah. No, I did it. It's good. Email us at... Backlog at teacabbage.com. Backlog at That's where our email is. You can ask us questions, uh, tell us your stories, give us your wisdom, give it to us. We will take it from you. Oh, I went in a weird direction. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, do you have any any threats or, no. or demands? <laughs> do, do you have any weird way to present our email? No, I do not. <laughs> What's our game next week? Oh. You know, I was trying to look that up a minute ago. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't pick one. So. I think you should pick one. Pick one live on stream? Right now, yeah. Pick it. Pick it. Oh, it's got to do with a glowy eye. Yeah, we'll do Senior Glowy Eye. This game appears to be called Hard Reset. I think it's a first-person shooter. <laughs> wow, no kidding. There's <laughs> a baldish guy Ooh. with, like, there's a baldish white guy who's glaring at the, at the camera. That Really? That's a first-person shooter? Would never have guessed. I'm, that's my guess. This looks like it'll be fun. Yeah. You have to enter your birthday to continue. <laughs> <laughs> to even look at the preview of it. So that should be fun. I, Join us next time for that. This is why we have this podcast, because I don't know what games I have. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know why I have it or how, but I do. Let's play it. Hard Reset. If you have any insight into Hard Reset, what it is, or how to play it, go ahead and send that to backlog at tcabbage.com. We desperately need your help to, to play this game. It won't even let me continue without a birth date, so I'm going to need your birth date, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Stop stealing the identities of our listeners. <laughs> I just, I just want to understand their gameplaying experience. Is it so wrong for me to try to get into the minds and souls of gamers everywhere? Personally, financially. <laughs> Emotionally. Alright, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.